Well, hi there, everyone, and welcome to the next part of the Led by Love podcast series, which uh, is taking a, a bit of a deeper dive into some of the key themes that we're exploring uh, on our Sunday mornings. Uh, we've been thinking about, or trying to think about, what it means to be led by love uh, rather than programs or, or, or structures. And it's really challenging. And we come to the theme today of being led by love to belong to what God is doing, to belong to his people, uh, and, and that somehow belonging leads us to love. Uh, which is a huge area so i'm really grateful today to have some friends uh, bounce this round with me uh, we were just chatting before we got started about uh, how we know uh, each other uh, ruth i know because uh, she heads up uh, renew well-being a charity that the lord laid on her heart a number of years ago i'm going to look at ruth at this point yeah, se uh, seven, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Seven years ago. Uh, Anna's now spread out in different formats and different forms uh, across the country, which is really exciting. So, uh, Ruth, it's great to have you uh, with us today. Uh, Dave, I know because we trained in college and university together, which will confuse some people because there's a very obvious age difference, I know, between, between the two of us. Uh, but Dave and I go back that far. Dave's been in pastoral ministry uh, here in Wales and across the border as well. Uh, and now in Rudry, just up from Caerphilly, is setting up uh, a retreat centre uh, with a particular passion to um, care for carers and to pastor pastors. So Dave, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, and Bex, I know, because a lot of you will know, she's part of Bethel here, uh, been involved in all kinds of uh, leadership over the years, but with a special focus at the moment on the Caring MMT uh, and uh, small groups uh, in particular. Uh, I was thinking, actually, as we were talking about how we know each other, uh, Bex, you knew my grandmother before you knew me. So that's I that's, did. I, I knew about you before I knew you. Yes. That was. Uh, that's always worrying. <laughs> <laughs> it was all good. So, uh, so great that we can uh, catch up together today. Uh, one of the things that we're going to do is, is bounce off a little bit of passage from uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're not going to read it here because it would take a while to do that. But if you're listening to this, it might be helpful to, uh, to have that open. Uh, but there's a really key verse in verse 5. Paul says, in Christ, we, though many, form one body. Now, it takes a while for us to get our heads around that, but then he goes even further than that and says, and each member belongs to all the others, which is an incredible thought, isn't it? We often think about belonging to Jesus or Jesus somehow belonging to us. But Paul goes further than that and says, no, we, we actually belong to one another. Uh, and I was thinking about that and, and just the difference between going to church on a Sunday or attending somewhere or you know subscribing on YouTube or participating in some way uh, that that's sort of one level of belonging but even just a glance at these words we can see Paul is uh, is hinting at, at so much more um, so I'd love to just to start there with what can help us to belong to each other and and what can hinder uh, so I, I don't know who wants to kick off who's got some thoughts on that <laughs> all got some thoughts mm. <laughs> it's a strange thing the body image isn't it because uh, like i broke my foot two years ago right and it's still i've still repercussions in my entire body from that three little tiny bones i broke mm. and and it's made me reflect on how we belong to each other because 
for me, if I didn't go at the speed of the most broken bit, if every bit didn't respond to the most broken bit, the rest of it also, I got a bad hip round a bad knee because <laughs> oh. I didn't slow down. So I've been having quite a lot of thoughts about this whole body image, mm. um, particularly in relation to how do we slow down for the people who don't want to keep up? You know, how does the body honour the most broken bits? That's that's kind of where my I'm at with my head anyway. Mm. Yeah, I guess similarly for me, I, I work in the medical field. So the, the image of using a body and how everything's interrelated really... Um, chimes with me because the more you look into how the body is connected it's just incredibly amazing that if one tiny bit like your big toe is removed you can't walk anymore mm. you know and so like you say with your broken uh, foot it does have compensatory um, effects and the whole of the rest of the body and even somebody who might view themselves as being the big toe of the membership shall we say mm. rather than you know someone who's standing up preaching or playing the music or in a, a more prominent role how um this image i think is very sensitive to those sorts of different levels of people's view of themselves sometimes mm. and their gifting yeah. i guess the word that, that strikes me there is this this sense of belonging to each of us or belonging to all of us to each other and um I think as I reflect back on my time in church ministry, that isn't necessarily the sort of sense I got from people and the way they've expressed their... Uh, more often, when people talk about belonging to me, they'll say, it is my church. Mm. And, and I don't get a sense that people are talking about, these are my people. Or, or I'm part of these people, they're talking more about it's an ownership rather than a, a belonging sense. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you already sort of picked up this thing about um, the difference between belonging to church and going to church on a Sunday. And um, I remember in Cambridge quite a long time ago when we set up a, a youth club in the church in Swayze that um, I got more of a sense from some of the kids that came to youth club when I met them in school or in the village or around in, in Cambridge itself. And they would talk about their church, not in a not in an ownership way, but in a belonging way that often many of the members didn't seem to express those people that came primarily on a Sunday. Um, so that, that thing about belonging to each other, I think it uh, opens all sorts of questions for me and um, places to go. Mm. It it is interesting, isn't it? Because I think um, there could be such a focus sometimes on um, getting the the building right, or getting the services right, or getting the structure right, and none of us want to do that badly. But sometimes the the focus on that can be so strong that this sort of gravitational pull towards thinking of, of church as a thing or a place uh, or a program it is really really strong. Mm. Yeah, because we were uh, when I set up Renew 37 here in Nottingham seven years ago, which has then become this sort of national movement. It was with the little church I was leading then. We didn't have a building. So church was the people. Mm. The sense yeah. of belonging was really strong. My experience of being a bit broken within that, though, even though I absolutely adore that church and went on to lead them full time. So this isn't a comment on them. It's a comment on in general. 
is even that sense of belonging can be a bit suffocating. So actually, that this idea of the body is you don't try and make a hand the hand another hand. You know, you don't try and make a, a toe into another hand. You don't want everyone to just be like you. But there, there is this thing of that, oh, right, better pray for you because you're not quite like me or, you know, that kind of idea that we need to belong in a certain way is totally turned on its head by Jesus or by, the, by, by Paul saying this about the body, because actually there is no one certain way to belong to the body. As you said, Max, every single bit of the body is, looks different, functions. <laughs> so I kind of love the body image because there's a there's a yeah there's a possibility for massive diversity within that mm, mm. quite often we're not quite ready for because we're still in club mentality mm. even if it's not about the building it can be about how you belong to this group um yeah. and yeah. even if you think we're being super welcoming it's actually driving people to the edges going what the flip they're gonna fuck me i don't even know who they are you know that <laughs> stuff Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say, I wonder what a church would look like where everybody is very similar because it's easy to fit in if everyone's like you, but actually that's not the model that we're we're looking at here, is it? It's it's you know how to engage people who aren't like you to for the benefit of the fellowship. Mm. Yeah, but I think that sadly there are probably quite a lot of churches where that tends to be the default, and for a lot of people that maybe are moving moving to a new town, new job, take them somewhere else, they'll look for a church that they feel comfortable, where the people are like me, mm. you know, where I'll go in and, oh, those are the songs I sing. And um, and when pe new people come, I can, I can remember, uh, I think it was when I was moving up from Cardiff to Cambridge, going in a sort of transition period, just wandering around a few churches before we left and going to one in Newport. And there was this sense that you know they, they were they were so excited that you come along but then there was this process they wanted you to go through about what what it meant to be part of that church and you had to subscribe to this 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 and there are clearly some things we need to share in our theology and the things that we subscribe to but it was almost like you've got to be like us come in and become like us and that worries me. I, I love the idea of a church that says to me, come in exactly as you are, very different to us, and help us to grow, help yeah. us to see something that we're missing. Come and be the foot that we haven't had for ages, or the arm, or, or whatever it is. Mm. Because that, that model that Paul gives us demonstrates the potential for growth, for development, for change. It's scary. It's scary if you're in the church because someone new and different comes in and maybe starts to rock the boat a little bit, mm. I think. It can be a bit of a two-way process, though, do you think? Because sometimes um, people come to church and they just want to just take all the time and say, I'm just going to receive what you give me. I'm not going to actually offer my gifts, my foot or my hand or whatever. And, you know... For whatever reason, some people sometimes struggle to offer their gifts, and then it's stifling that possibility of introducing new gifts to the church, which the hand we might be missing or whatever. So it's it's somehow about enabling new people to discover their gifts or offer the gifts that they know about in a way that they feel comfortable to do as well. Yeah, yeah. and that speaks to our structures because we're all mouth and no knees. It's just you know, it's like we we 
we we train people to do the upfront stuff we we praise the upfront stuff we criticize the upfront stuff but the upfront stuff the be in the worship band be on the rotor be in a that rather than the just being this is where renew came out of really was my absolute sense of I can't belong anywhere at the moment because I'm just not well enough I had my own breakdown and I just couldn't bear to be there because you felt a bit useless because we, we we turned serving one another with our gifts into um I don't know some sort of like machine almost you know how's God going to use you <laughs> it's like oh well if I'm useless then if I can't bring if the gift of who I am is my vulnerability and my brokenness if the gift of who I am is to say actually you know I'm one of the more you know, you're going to cover me up. I'm one of those bits of the body <laughs> you're going to be around me. If that's the gift, and without those bits, to be honest, and without talking about them in too much detail, we would be a bit stuck, wouldn't we? So I mean, we need all the all the bits we need to give more honour to. Yeah. I, 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 that's a gift too. You see, and there's where. I've been in a church for a while. I'll be careful how I talk about it because it's they're lovely. But the only way to really belong is to join a team and be on a rotor for a Sunday, mm. because that's where we think gifts lie. Yeah. And there's so much happening in people's lives mm. that it's the gifting of God to the church, which is it isn't a thing we do or go to. It is who we are. Yeah. That how do we spot the gift of the one who has no language and no movement and and brings us ability to see what god's presence looks like in its raw form where does that belong mm -hmm. in our busy in our busy church life that i think it, i think something rebecca said about that that space sometimes we need to give people when when they might first come to church they might come along and and belonging and being doesn't mean you've instantly got to get involved in everything for a lot of people perhaps people that have um, have, have drifted away from church or, or who are searching spiritually for something they don't really yet know what it is they want or what they're expecting to get they're just looking for a refuge for a place for a people and one of the things i think we need to do is give them the time mm. and actually let them find out who they are mm. and linked to that i think is that thing about the gift just because somebody is an accountant doesn't mean they've got to be the church treasurer. <laughs> their, their profession is not necessarily the spiritual gift that God is, is drawing them into our church with. Mm. It may be something very different. And one of the challenges I think that there lies in there is, uh, I guess, mostly for church leadership teams is to recognize where you may already have somebody established in a role who's been doing it in the church for some time, but there's somebody else that comes in who's got a gift that you can see uh, is just waiting to be developed, waiting to be opened up. But Fred has done the job for 40 years, and so no one's going to say, well, what if somebody else did it? And letting go of some of the things that we do sometimes, that's that's a really big thing um, in service. Um, to let somebody else grow, to let somebody else discover how they belong. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've encountered that a few times, I think. It, it's a massive challenge, isn't it? Because I think everything we've been saying is right. Uh, when there are existing avenues for certain gifts, it's pretty easy for people to to join the music group, the Sunday 
Sunday school team, the welcome team, tea and coffee. There's really obvious ways. Um, but it strikes me as we're talking that that's quite a lazy way, isn't it? Because, you know, people might be operating out of a, um, a, you know, a gift that they've got, but their real passion, you know, the thing that keeps them up at night, the thing that they really dream about, there isn't currently a natural avenue for it. And so we just, we don't, we don't ask them about that. We don't explore that at all. Uh, I, I loved what we were saying earlier about what it means to, to belong. Um, I saw um, an article in the, I think it was the Baptist Together magazine time before last that um, uh, Craig Gardner, uh, lecturer at the Baptist College, um, wrote about um, when we welcome new people into our fellowship, um, the, the challenge isn't to say, right, you've got to become like us. The reality is now you're a different fellowship because there are new people that are part of it. And he said, as as part of that, almost conflict is a healthy and an inevitable part of it because growth is always difficult. Change is always change is never easy. Um, and I like the idea that actually to to grow, you're inviting new ideas, new perspectives. And some of that is going to bump up against each other, and that should be a sign of a healthy thing, not a not something that we try and squash or flatten out or defeat, but something that should be part of. But we don't tend to think like that. Mm. And, and even in the way we're talking, we're still thinking of church as that thing we do on a Sunday. Mm. Um, and and there's something about the Renew Adventure has been so exciting for churches that have taken it on because it gives them another space in which to just listen. What like David was saying, you know, where are the spaces in which we get to know somebody really, really well? Yeah. One of the things that was happening, I mean, these spaces were, I suppose, set up originally for people who were struggling with their mental health, but actually they've become a really good way for churches to re-engage post-pandemic, really. They're sort of let's sit it down let's sit ourselves down over a cup of tea I have a hobby going on um and the hobby itself speaks to a gift that we almost don't we don't value those because they're not about running a service on a Sunday no. yeah. and, and some of the things that we found people uh, everybody is this amazing masterpiece of God's creation yeah. and and church isn't something we make happen it is it is it, the Christ is the head of this body that is amazing <laughs> and getting to know what it is that that person is and has doesn't fit into the boxes that already exist sometimes and I suppose what we're doing at Renew is going have a different space have a wider more open space just let people come with or without faith with or without agenda mm. and in that space and in the place of prayer gifting has has space for it you know the branches to get out a bit and that, that's a different image though isn't it that <laughs> so body into a tree <laughs> when our church has started since the pandemic uh, crafty chatters which is just a, a, a bit of a space like you're talking about where people come and might like, do knitting and might like, do drawing they might like, just learn from one another a, a skill like crocheting or something like that but the conversations that are had over those activities are quite different than perhaps you'd have on a Sunday morning where you're constrained by you know you've got to make the coffee or you're on a rotor to do the x y and z and somebody asks you how you are and, oh I'm fine you know you haven't got time to unpack actually you've had a rubbish week and actually you really value sitting down with someone and just talking about it but we don't really have time for that on a Sunday and so these extracurricular things if you want to call them that we have small groups which are part of the church programme as such, but we meet in people's houses and we have tea and coffee and biscuits and we just 
you know, we have a time to talk to each other. We do study the Bible. We have socials. We have so there's a smaller group of people that we can get to know in that way a bit better. And maybe people that I wouldn't normally talk to on a Sunday as well. Yeah. I see you're right in saying that often your time or we've got to get the coffee made or whatever can, can, can be a hindrance. But I've often wondered about the sort of the culture as well that it's um it, it's such a smiley happy you know noisy environment um that to, to actually say you know I don't want to stand up and sing that this morning or I don't know if my head's in that place today uh it, it's actually a really brave thing to do and um it's hard because you don't want to you know throw it open every Sunday to say so what went wrong this week everyone but you, you want that sort of culture where you can like Paul talks about in this passage rejoice with those who are rejoicing in a way that also allows you to mourn with those who are mourning um, so that the mourners and the rejoicers can somehow be part of the same thing. It's, um, yeah. And, and that's where we're discovering. That doesn't mean they have to feel like they have to fit into one thing on a Sunday. So that means that being the body is there's lots of different expressions of being the body. I mean, I'm not sporty, but I still have got a body. <laughs> but you know, you you can still do a bit of sport. So there are different ways of being a body. You know, you don't want to do the same thing with your body all the time because it doesn't then allow different bits of your body to exercise themselves, you know. So I think the idea that we have a certain way we understand church in a certain way means we don't get the breadth and the 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 riches of people who aren't necessarily what we think we're looking for to make church happen um and and they're people who you get you know you always get your little nucleus of people who do everything and they get slightly irritated at the people who just come and take and then you've got the people who come and go i don't know how to fit in and you, you've got all that going on because we're thinking about it as a gathering which when I wasn't well, I couldn't walk through the doors. I mean, I couldn't be there. Mm. It was the, the pressure of everybody's interest was too much. So what we've created in our spaces that churches are running alongside their gatherings are these prayer spaces as well, you know, a quiet space. You can come and be connected in silence. You, you actually don't need words to be connected. Yeah. Some of the most profound moments of body connection happen in the silence of a, of a prayer room. So it's... It's having those that variety across the the, the life of the body mm. that allows people to find a place to, to sort of belong, I think. Mm. Yeah. And I think we um we really, really undervalue social interaction. We see it as, as it's not really serious church, mm. just having a meal together or something. Just we we don't really appreciate the reality of how it's the start of belonging it's how you get to know the people mm. and I think about some of the seasons of church and I think about Easter or harvest or Christmas and some of the most successful elements of those weeks or whatever will be the gatherings the Monday Thursday meal or the the harvest supper and everybody talks about them and everybody really loves them and and when they're happening you get a sense of people talking to somebody in your church that they've been in church with for maybe 10 or 20 years but never really spoken to mm. when i was in training i in one of the churches in newport early on i asked some of the morning service people very deliberately to come to the, the six o'clock service and then i i asked people if who they knew <laughs> and and what they knew of each other and it, i got some 
negative feedback from that, that experience as much as I got positive. But it was really sad mm. to realize that people were part of a church for sometimes decades, but really didn't know what somebody did, where, where they lived, what, what their interests were, nothing about them. And if we're to be body working in harmony, well, how can you work in harmony if you're not aware of each other properly? Mm. Um, and and alongside that is also then you, we go on to this expansion of, of what is church. I can remember in again in, in Swayze talking to them about how big do you think our church is? And people would put numbers on it by 60, 70 people. And I said, well, what if I said I count our church as being about 400 strong? And they all sat there and were just like, well, I said, well, what about the 120 children that come to our youth groups on a Friday? And the 100 children that three of us visit and, and work with in the school three times in the week and the people in their offices and things where we go and we continue to be church, mm. not all together, not mm. gathered for an hour where we're going to get our top up to get through the week, but actually being church. And, and again, we it's hard to get people who have got a traditional concept of I belong to church, I go to church on a Sunday morning, I've done my hour, I go home and I'll go to church next week. Mm. To carry on going and being church tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, that's where it gets exciting, mm. where people meet up in other places and they recognise that they are still being church wherever they are. Mm. Mm. And, and you could argue you actually were part of a church that's got two and a half billion people in it so <laughs> that, that's the being connected to the head mm. that that's where i think also as well as the social bit what was missing for me was because we were really connected like I'm, I'm talking about the my experience back in the day was a church really well connected. we knew everything about each other to the point that it became a little bit exclusive mm. um you can only know that much about a certain amount of people yeah. and and the 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 development of a, a habit of prayer together has has led for us to know each other in a whole different way because our connection to the head is what connects us to each other mm -hmm. and it, it means that people can feel connected who even can't come or um when during the pandemic those churches that had already set up a a rhythm of habit of prayer shared prayer together nothing messed with that yeah. nothing yeah we said we we learned didn't we during the pandemic or we should have done what unites us and what doesn't and yeah. actually it, yes the being together is how we learn about each other but actually we are church and that sort of that sense of hope that is there's loads of room within this body for you and we are all connected by sinews and blood and and prayer i think is is a wonderful thing that even if you can't get to go and for people who are struggling with their mental health people who are housebound there's something rather lovely about still feeling they can belong even if they can't do it in the way we think they should mm. um i guess sometimes sorry, sorry. I guess sometimes people may be scared of that sort of level of connection though <clears throat> I think you know the Facebook age where people have got 2,000 friends on Facebook and think that makes them connected to people and actually being that step away and, and being able to portray what you want to portray of yourself on, on a platform like that is not 
being real it's you know you're putting your mask on and being who you think other people want you to be and that's sort of fairly safe for some people but to come into an environment where mm. to really belong you've got to actually have real friends and take that mask off and be really you and make yourself vulnerable is quite hard for people mm. but alongside that i think is, is something maybe with your giving an answer to but the fear within if you are part of a group that has become very established and knows each other very well, the idea that somebody new might come in is going to change that dynamic. And, and I think that is something we can uh, unconsciously do in church. We like where we've got to. We like the structure. We like the shape of our services. And unconsciously, we just stay there. Mm. Someone else comes in. It, it, it all unsettles. They're now talking to that person that I would normally talk to now or what, whatever it is. So there's that fear for both sides. Um, and it's not a, a deliberate thing. It, it, it's that, you know, how often is love squashed by fear? Yeah. The, love, the love that reaches out to a homeless man on the street, but we don't because we're afraid of, of something. Um, or the love that just... Is, is afraid to engage riskily, dangerously, because love is dangerous, isn't it, really? It, it, when we really love and we allow ourselves to love and be loved, it means we're opening ourselves up. We're making ourselves hugely vulnerable. Mm. And it's a fear often pulls us back. Mm. When you say to a church, we're going to try something really new, you almost sense half the them, oh, no. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's a risk. Love's a risk. It's exciting. As you were saying that, I was thinking about, I, I forget who said it, um, but it was quoted in a, in a book a few years ago, uh, that in any relationship, the person who loves the least has the most power because they're sort of invested in, in a different way. Uh, and I think we we do love, but we love at a certain level that remain that allows us to remain in sort of control or in sort of charge, and um, and yet that I mean it fundamentally changes that that notion of of, of how we think about God, uh, who loves the most and is willing to risk and willing to come and and willing to sacrifice, um, and that is the Bible tells us that is what love is, isn't it? It is the laying down, it's the giving away. Um, and but we we sort of settle for a pseudo love, don't we? Which is far more comfortable and and controllable. Yeah, uh, yeah. And but here's another love. <laughs> what am, I, am I invited like the fly in the ointment here? Yes. I, I there is something about boundaries that is a, a really important too. Mm. This this wonderful self giving love of Jesus we've sort of translated in some churches certainly in mine and I, and this is how I made myself ill into I've got to just pour myself out on behalf of everybody else I mean I brought up in a lovely Christian household where Jesus wants me for a doormat could have been our theme song and it was just this kind of yeah lovely 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 parents still my lovely parents in case you're listening um. But it was that almost like they don't exist as human beings because there are people to serve and 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 forgetting to be compassionate to yourself, forgetting you're also in the room. It's been a, it's been huge as I've been working with churches, leaders who are absolutely weary to the point of brokenness, still pouring themselves out because that's how they've translated what Jesus did. And I'm, 
I'm, I'm not terribly convinced that's going to be a healthy way of living because we aren't Jesus. We're his body <laughs> and we are still part of the body. Whatever place in the body we have, mm. we also have the need to be tended to and cared for at times. And that sense of coming equally and just being together, connected to the head, which is Christ. Mm. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I think the body gives us permission then sometimes to rest, to rest. Mm. yeah that that sense of actually the way in which i'll serve you best at the moment is to stop completely and that was what i learned with my broken foot <laughs> was if I I think something about getting nourishment as well you know the body doesn't exist without being nourished and yeah. it might be different for different people that might just be stepping back from doing something it might be going on a retreat mm. it might be you know reading a book and sharing that with other people it, but but having permission to take that step back and say actually i need something to to nourish me so that I've got that energy to, oh. to carry on giving out to other people. And in truth, that is exactly what Jesus modeled, isn't it? Before every big thing that happened to him, we read how he went and he prayed or he found quiet time or he prepared himself or he surrounded himself with people who served him, who mm. he didn't just do. There were people that gave to him and, and he, he was cared for in those moments. Sometimes that sort of got misunderstood, but but he didn't just nonstop, just go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And in ministry, it was what, what really led me to the whole um, sort of process behind Living Waters retreats was just the more I spoke to friends and colleagues who were, were in ministry and my own experience was just how overwhelmingly exhausting it can become. Mm. Um, how difficult it is to explain that to your fellowship, to your church, that your minister and his family, who he just about remembers because he didn't see them very often, or she or whoever it is, really needs a rest. Mm. Really, And it's not because they're having a breakdown or they, they've run out of things to say. They just deserve a bit of a rest. And, you know, in some churches, it's quite hard for a minister to say, I'm only doing three Sundays or, or less than that or whatever, because someone else is going to do it. It's almost like, well, we pay you to, to do this. You, mm. you should do it every week. And, mm. and again, I suppose it comes to that same thing where we, we were a little while ago. If we measure everything by what happens on a Sunday um, and, and what we expect from that, we then also lift up those people that we expect to give us the teaching and the leading and the, mm. the worship all that stuff so the pressure's on for them mm. to do it always there yeah. always measured and you've got people whose gifting is very you know they're, they're the hands and the feet they're the they're the ones that seem to have great capacity and yeah i was recently in a conversation with a friend who was i was sort of pointing out a minister who might well be struggling and needing a bit of, and he's going well i work four times as hard as him thinking yeah, yeah you do you're a different bit of the body <laughs> you're that idea that we want everybody to have our capacity to be the same as us the body image is a glorious way to counter that isn't it because we we're not all the same but we do all belong <laughs> and the emotional responsibility that most almost every person in church leadership takes on for other people is exhausting and draining and if we don't allow people that that place and space to refresh themselves to, to maybe to go and find somebody to to unburden that to through them to god then they will they will run out of 
capacity. They simply will run out of capacity. And, and I think that's true, not just to those in full-time paid ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember a couple of years ago finding a book called um, Leading on Empty. Uh, it was really, really helpful. And the first line of it nearly... Shelf behind me, that Wayne Cordero. Yes. It'll be, there, that's the one, that's the one. Yes. The, the first line of it undid me. It just said, uh, we don't forget that we're Christian. We forget that we're human. Yeah. And straight away, it was like... I mean, that, that was the whole book for me. I could have just, you know, was worth the price of the book. Um, and yet having read that, still forget, you know, still trying, you know, running on all cylinders, et cetera. Uh, and that doesn't help, doesn't it? If we're not modeling our need for each other, uh, I think it's in another passage where Paul is again describing the church like the body. And he, he gets so, you can feel his frustration, can't you? He's like, one part can't say to another, I don't need you. And, and yet we we live like that, don't we? Like we we've got it all. We, you know, we don't need anyone else's gift, no one else's insight, no one else's time. Um, and we yeah, we don't forget that we're Christian. We just forget that we're human. Yeah, we we in I think in in smaller churches, in big ones too, but in smaller churches, you often find this this challenge of the number of people that are available to lead things. And, and on a Sunday, that can be perhaps the biggest test. And often I find where you got couples that are both engaged in youth work or, or running Sunday schools and things and maybe they're both going out to Sunday school every week or they alternate weeks or whatever and then you just over a while you, you talk to them and you discover they haven't actually shared together sitting in church taking in some ministry together or worshipping together for years mm. Um, and I can again try to sort of feed that into one of the churches I was in, and and other people were like, "But that means I've got to have my kids. Where are they going to go if we don't have Sunday school this week?" So, but what if we do something very different and allow those people that serve you all the time to come in and get what you get, what you say you need? Therefore, they've got to go and do it. Children, mm. but finding that balance, we we tried cafe churches and all sorts of things that sort of fed into that and I know some people really found them uncomfortable because of the idea of sitting at a table and the structure was very fluid but for some folks it was so energizing and liberating and go back to that thing about the safety of who you know and, and the rest of it you can remember when we, we'd done it for about three months and we had a church meeting to reflect on how it had gone and the people that were critical of it were the ones that came in and sat on the same table in the back corner each week, you know, whenever we had it. They didn't engage with it. They just didn't like it. The ones that loved it were the ones that had ended up sat on a table with someone they'd never chatted to before mm. and suddenly started to learn something more about church. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think it's that two-way thing, isn't it, of, of getting to know each other, but also that connection to the head. Uh, I remember years and years ago now, um, we, we took a, uh, an evening to share our testimonies together just to practice it. It was like, if the, if the name Jesus doesn't escape our lips to each other, we haven't got a hope of you know sharing it with, with, with people outside the church. Uh, and somebody just, just sat there at the end saying how profoundly moving it was for them because they'd never told anybody their testimony before. And this is somebody long-standing, I mean, like lifelong um you know, churchmanship kind of thing uh, and you think that that's so sad that actually that that thing that we do all share is the one thing that we don't naturally seem to talk about and that's 
Number one, that's just weird. But number one, it, it's just really sad. It, it was interesting when we first set up the first Renew space, we made a little rule, no proselytizing in the, the cafe style area. So mm. <clears throat> it took our a mental health professional who was an atheist to say to us, why aren't your people talking about their faith? Wow. And said, I said, well, we're not proselytizing. And she went, it's not proselytizing to share your own story if somebody asks you, is it? And I said, no. She said, can't you just be normal? And I went, oh, no, we can't be normal. We've been on courses. We've been. <laughs> and she was like, she just couldn't understand why. If something's important to you, yes, of course, you listen to someone else's story. And what's happened in the course of having renewed spaces over time is people get normal about talking about, because we normalise prayer is on offer, the same as the jigsaw and the whatever. Mm. Actually, you go, oh, yeah, it's something we do. This is what we do. Yeah, I, well, I can't help you with that, but I'll introduce you to a man who can. You know, that kind of sense of... Let's just go, yeah, well, prayer really helps me. And you're not proselytizing if you're sharing your real story. It's just we've separated out our Christian bit from our being human bit. It's absolutely mm. that. When I read that, it, that was I read that book um, and that's that sentence about being human at the right time as well in my life and thought, I have completely forgotten mm. how to be a human being, in which case I'm not hearing other human beings. And I've separated people out into Christian, not Christian. And actually, God's view is very different. And the church is much vaster than we think. And it isn't just the people in our services on Sunday. Yeah. And that, that hearing that, where do we hear that? And yet with the presence of God is absolutely paramount because he is the head. It, we have to have the head or the body doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> social yeah adjust a social means it's like one hand clapping itself against the other but if you you know having the head in the room helps I think. <laughs> that thing about the being and doing isn't it that you know, we, we jump into sort of doing the fixing of people or doing things often then very much in our own strength and in our own thinking whereas if we just if we just allow ourselves to be people in in that belonging to god through jesus that's be who you are be normal be the person and, and be prepared to say what what you do not that you've got to do it because i do it or let me do it for you or to you yeah. just be mm. amazing well, i think that's probably a good place to pause over there I, I sense that we could talk about this uh, all day i think we got through one of the questions I sent around. <laughs> that was really good. There were questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there was a whole A4 sheet, believe it or not. But yes, I think, uh, I think, I think we got through one. So, uh, but thank you ever so much, guys. It's been really helpful and really great to chat. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you. Bye. Nice to meet Bye -bye. you too. Bye. <laughs>